0: Good evening, everybody. It's great to have you here tonight. I was saying to folks earlier, I'm singing in the rain. Happy to do that. My name's David Minnick, by the way, if you don't know me. I am uh, one of the executive pastors here. And um, I'm kind of doing a little pinch-hitting for Sherry Clifton tonight. And I'm delighted to be with you to talk about Exodus. Exodus. Exodus is one of life's most important stories. It tells us how to go out. And actually that word, Exodus, which is in the title of all your Bibles, is not a Hebrew word. It's a Greek word. And it means the way out or the road out. I don't know about you, but there have been times in my life when I felt stuck, times that I felt like there was no way out, nowhere to turn, no one to turn to, but God provides a way out, and I'm here tonight to tell you that God has provided a way out for me, and I'm guessing that in your life, at some point in time, you found yourself in a place that you really didn't want to be, but you didn't know how to get out of it. And that's where Israel is in the book of Exodus. You know the story, okay? And I'm sorry that it's really, um, we only have about 25 minutes to talk about this because um, the movie was like three hours long. (laughs) But I know that you have other things to do, and so do I. So we're going to talk a little bit about Exodus and what it means to us. Feeling oppressed, feeling lost, feeling forgotten, feeling abandoned. Millions and millions of human beings around the world right now feel that way. They have been displaced from their homes. They are living in camps, in places where nobody would really want to live. The last count that I saw was somewhere around 65 million refugees in this world. The highest number of refugees since World War II. So that kind of sets the scene for what's happening in Egypt. After they first got there to escape a famine, the Israelites now have become a people who are in the service of a Pharaoh, an emperor, who no longer knew Joseph. And those people who are in that place, living in the land of Goshen, are folks who have been pressed into service and are suffering. And suffering is really tough. It's really difficult to maintain hope. It's difficult to think about anything else than what you've been pressed into service to do. In a sense, living in slavery might be, uh, I don't know, a modern-day equivalent for you and me. We've never been slaves. We've never experienced what that's like, where you have no control over who you are. We're kind of the opposite in this particular congregation. We have a lot of control over our circumstances and and over who we are. These people had no control over what they were going to do the next day or what the Pharaoh was going to decide about them. They were doing manual labor and life was difficult. It's interesting that one of the, one of the analogies that I was thinking of when I was thinking about, okay, how do I communicate slavery to this crowd? Think about addiction. Addiction. You know, back in the day uh, when I first came here, we had a substance abuse group that was called Exodus because its ministry was to help people who were enslaved by their addictions to substances to move from where they were to where God wanted them to be. And that is a long and difficult road. So, if you've ever felt depressed, if you've ever felt like, I just can't seem to make these days go together one after the other, that's a kind of feeling that the beginning of Exodus wants you to feel. And the good news, of course, is there's a way out. There is a way out. And so, this drama that we see in the first portion of Exodus is just one of the most important ones in our whole lives, because it shows us that God, with God, there is always a way out. So let's kind of back up a little bit to uh, talk to see about our reluctant prophet Moses, who was uh, having a very nice life, living in this land of Midian, being a shepherd. And living out in the country, you know, kind of like Texas, like West Texas, living out there, being a shepherd, loving his sheep, having a family, all these things. And he goes to uh, work one day and all of a sudden there's a bush that's burning and it won't go out. And it's like, well, that's a curious thing. I think I'll come just a little bit closer and see what it's all about. And then there's this voice that comes out of the bush I think he's in trouble. What would you do? Huh? I would, you know, am I going crazy here? What's going on here? So, God approaches Moses and gives him a job a job offer. Moses, I have heard the cries of my people down in Egypt and I need you to go down there and help them out. And of course, Moses, I love Moses because he's just like me. Who, me? I can't talk. I don't know what to say. Who shall I say, by the way, is uh, asking Pharaoh, the greatest, most powerful person in the world, to let these people go? Come on. So after he quibbles with God for a good long time, finally... After God gives him one good reason after another one. And the most important reason, of course, is I will be with you. Trust me. Let's go. So Moses and Aaron, his brother, go down to Egypt. And they're all set up to have an audience with the most important person in the world a fellow by the name of Ramses. Now, Ramses was a uh, very interesting fellow. He was I would say he was a uh, an egomaniac on steroids. This is a guy who has temples and monuments built to himself. They're still there. You can go to Egypt and look at them after all these years. They're still there. And so, Moses and Aaron are going down to see the Pharaoh. And here's how it goes. Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, Thus says the Lord, Okay, the God of Israel, let my people go so that they may celebrate a festival to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, This is neat. Pharaoh says, Who is this Lord? Who are you talking about? I don't know this Lord. Why should I heed him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord. I'm not going to let Israel go. Then they said, The God of the Hebrews, these slaves, has revealed himself to us. Let us go three days' journey into the wilderness to sacrifice to the Lord our God, or he will fall upon us with pestilence or sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking people away from their work? Get back to work. Get to your labors. So, as I said, I was pinch hitting earlier. That was just strike one. Okay. What did you expect? Did you expect success on the first time? Absolutely not. This is going to be a tough assignment. It's also a test, in a sense, for Moses. Just like it is a test for somebody who is addicted to a substance and perhaps they have had somebody talk to them or they've heard the voice in their ear saying, Go to a meeting. This is the way out. Sometimes when you go to rehab... The first time, it doesn't work. It doesn't take. Sometimes when you go second time, it doesn't work. Sometimes when you go the third time, it doesn't work. Slavery is a tough thing to beat. And so, Moses and Aaron go to see the most important person in the world, and he laughs in their faces. Who is this Lord? I don't know this Lord. Lord. I'm not going to let anybody go. on your word or his word or whose word. Get back to work. All right. So we move on to the next scene. Moses and Aaron, head on back to the bullpen. God. You sent us on a, a, a mission that didn't really succeed very well. What What's, what's next? What's the next? What's plan B? And then the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh. Indeed, by a mighty hand, he will let them go. Here's a prediction for you. When you're hanging out with God, there is always that promise that gets held out before you. And you move toward it. I will do this. By a mighty hand, he will drive them out of his land. Notice what he says there. It's not God who's going to drive them out. It's Pharaoh is going to let them go. Pharaoh's going to let him go. He will drive them out of his land. God also spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as God Almighty... But my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they resided as aliens. I have also heard the groaning of the Israelites, whom the Egyptians are holding as slaves, and I have remembered my covenant. Now, this is an important passage because it plays a name game that you will miss if you don't read Hebrew. Or if you don't have a study Bible that has notes at the bottom that says there's a different name happening here. Lord. That word is translated in in Hebrew. It's Yahweh. Which means I am. Remember Moses talking to Charlton Heston? You know, I am. I am who I am. I will be who I will be. And by the way, he doesn't define himself any further in that name but we'll see as the story unfolds who god is the other one i appeared to abraham as and isaac and jacob as god almighty that word or that phrase is el shaddai you've heard el shaddai there's a popular was a popular gospel song called el shaddai That means God of the mountains, or sometimes God of the wilderness. It's a localized name. So God's name is evolving here. The Hebrews who are in Goshen only knew about God as El Shaddai. Now Moses is introducing them to Yahweh. I am who I am. I will be who I will be. And he reminds them that there's a covenant involved here. Now, what is a covenant? A covenant is an agreement between two parties. And the way that it's expressed in the the Bible is, I will do this, and you will do that. And what we see throughout Old Testament and New Testament history is, God is always faithful to God's portion of the covenant. I will agree to do this, and I'm going to... I'm going to be faithful to it. It's the human beings who have the problem. We're the ones who have the, uh, the, just the tough time remembering what we're supposed to do and then being able to do it. But here's God who is bringing plan B to Moses now and said, okay, I'm going to show a mighty hand here and we're going to be moving right along with getting these people out. So... First of all, I want you to go to the Israelites and tell them, I am the Lord, Yahweh, and I will free you from the burdens of the Egyptians and deliver you from slavery to them. Oh, boy, we've been waiting for a long time for somebody to come and get us out of this terrible mess that we're in. We have been waiting for generations to be free. And now here is the promise. I will deliver you from slavery. I'm going to redeem you with an outstretched arm and with a mighty act of judgment and I'm going to take you. Oh! I'm going to take you as my people and I will be your God. You're going to know that I am the Lord Yahweh, your God, who has freed you from the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and I will give you, give it to you for a possession. I am the Lord. Notice how he repeats that. Just in case you forgot my name, this is who I am and this is what I'm going to do for you. And then this last line, can you just feel the despair in it when I read it? Moses told it to the, ignorant, to the Israelites, but they would not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and their cruel slavery. Huh. How many times can you talk to an addict about the fact that they need to change? You can have an intervention with them. You really need to change. And because their spirit is so broken and because they're so lost, They can't really hear you. Sometimes when people are depressed, they're so lost in that downward spiral of the darkness of their life that they can't see the sun. There's no hope left. They're broken. Broken. No one can fix them. They can't fix themselves. But God can fix. God can fix. So, once again, strike two. Moses brings all this good news to the Israelites. They can't hear it. They can't hear it. It's too tough. The news is really rough for them. So, God does another trick. This is a long portion of... In the scriptures, and if I went through every single one of these, we'd probably be here for a little while. So this is a shorthand version. Okay, ten plagues, and they—they really they sort of have a relationship if you think about it. Okay, when the water goes bad, the frogs die. When the frogs die, the lice come. When the lice come, the flies come. The cattle get sick because there's no water. They get poisoned, and then people get boils because of all of the germs that are around. Fire and hail, locusts, finally darkness. God can control light and day. Darkness falls upon them, and they're terrified. But what the Scripture says is that Pharaoh's heart is hardened. Have you ever known anybody with a hardened heart? I have. Unfortunately, I have. People who will not forgive, who will not change. And a lot of times, it's, there's so much ego involved in that, they just can't give it up because to do that, they would not be able to save face. And so it's tough. So God is dealing with somebody Pharaoh, who thinks that he himself is about on God's equal. Who is this Lord anyway? I don't have to listen to him. Who thinks that he's God's equal and who thinks that he's as powerful as God is and God's demonstrating over and over again, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this, I'm more powerful than you are. Hey, is this the God that you want to tie your wagon to? this is the God that I want to follow because this is the God who can get something done in my life, who can get me unstuck, who can get me to a brighter place, who can set me free. And so finally, after all of these nine plagues, Pharaoh's heart is not moved. He's not going to do it. Not going to do it until you get to plague number 10. And God kind of broadcasts this, forecasts this for us. And this is a very important part of the ritual that we're going to be doing here just in a little while. This is called the Passover. I'm going to just read you a couple of passages. This is from chapter 12, beginning at verse 5, where He talks about every Israelite family is going to get a lamb. okay? And he said, your lamb shall be without blemish, blemish, a year old male. You can take it from the sheep or from the goats. You've got a choice. You shall keep it until the 14th day of this month and then the whole assembled congregation of Israel shall slaughter it at twilight. They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintels of the houses In which they eat. Then moving over to verse eleven, this is how you shall eat it. Your loins girded. Oh, you like your loins girded. You're fully dressed. Okay, you're up and ready. You got your sandals on your feet. You got your staff in your hand, ready to walk. You shall eat it hurriedly. It is the Passover of the Lord. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night and I will strike down every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both human beings and animals. On all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord, Yahweh, on all the gods of Egypt, including Pharaoh. Pharaoh thinks that he's God's equal? Try this one. It's a hard lesson. To learn. And sometimes, in order to be freed, you gotta let go of something. And that's a difficult thing to let go of. And so we continue with the story. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne. To the firstborn of the prisoner who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the livestock. Pharaoh arose that night. He and his officials and all the Egyptians and there was a loud cry in Egypt for there was not a house without someone dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron in the night and said rise up go away from my people both you and the Israelites go. Go worship the Lord as you said. Take your flocks and your herds as you said and be gone. And bring a blessing on me too. So this fulfills the prophecy that was made at the very beginning. God said he's going to let you go. God provides the conditions. And then a human actor says, okay, I'm done. That's it. Leave, please, quickly. And that last sentence, isn't that a wonderful charitable sentence and bring a blessing on me too of course that decision didn't last very long Pharaoh goes back to his old ways right back to rehab one more time Pharaoh goes back to his old ways and he chases the Israelites out of behind them and and finally they get to the place where they're up against the wall The wall of water. It's an important time. you got to get across, but you can't get across. You cannot do it under your own power. Some other higher power has to do this for you. And so, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. The Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and turned the sea into dry land, and the waters were divided. The Israelites went into the sea on dry ground, the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went into the sea after them, all of Pharaoh's horses, chariots, and chariot drivers. At the morning watch the Lord in the pillar of fire and cloud looked down upon the Egyptian army and threw the Egyptian army into panic. He clogged their chariot wheels so that they turned with difficulty. The Egyptians said, let us flee from the Israelites for the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. We have someone who fights our battles for us. And then we come to the final Climactic scene. Didn't change. Then the Lord said to Moses, do it again. Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots and chariot drivers. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and at dawn the sea returned to its normal depth. As the Egyptians fled before it, the Lord tossed, the Egyptians into the sea the waters returned and covered the chariots and the chariot drivers the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed them <coughs> pardon me into the sea not one of them remained but the Israelites walked on dry ground through the sea the waters forming a wall for them on their right and on their left wow that is the story of deliverance my friends That is one of the great life stories of all time. It is a wonderful description, historical description of the way out. We tell that story in our Christian lives as well. Jesus is the answer to our problems. Jesus is the way out. And we remember because He sacrificed Himself for us so that we could be delivered from our slavery, whatever it is. It may not be physical slavery for you. It may be some other kind of slavery, some other kind of situation that you cannot get yourself out of and you don't know where to turn and it seems like it's impossible. But we keep hearing over and over again that Everything is possible with God. And we need to trust that God is at work in our lives doing this for us. My friends, this is the definition of grace. God has given to us this gift. One simple definition of grace that I like very much. God coming near us in mercy. This is the grace that we receive when we come to the table. It is here. God is present in the bread and in the cup and soon to be present in you. This is grace. And this, my brothers and sisters, is really good news. And I hope you take it home with you tonight. Let us pray. Lord, we are thankful for this time that you have given to us To hear good news about a way out that you have already provided. You provided it for your people back in ancient life. And you provided for your people right here and right now. In the bread and in the cup. We ask you to bless us as we bring ourselves, our pain, our sorrow, our disappointment, our joy to this table so that we might be forgiven and might be given new life. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.